Good to see everybody. Glad y'all are here on this um, hot Sunday in July. We are so excited at what God is doing in our church, and we're delighted that you're here today. God bless you. Somebody invited you, or this is where you attend on Sunday mornings. And either way, guest or member, we're so, so glad that you're here. My name is Danny Forshee, and I'm the pastor here at Great Hills. This was Corey. Corey Hatch is our media pastor. Also does a great job in helping us uh, lead in worship as Terry and Debbie are taking a few days off on uh, vacation. And so we are just glad that you're here. God bless you. We are in a study in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. And today the plan is to finish out uh, chapter 4 unless I do something different. I'm debating in my mind whether I'm going to do something entirely different or whether I'm going to preach this sermon that I have worked really hard on and I'm ready to, I'm ready to preach it. So um, have you, has that ever happened to you when you stood up to preach? And Okay, sure, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad y'all can relate that uh, with me. So I um, just need, need wisdom. Okay, Acts chapter 4, we'll look at verse 32 through 37. This is such an amazing passage of Scripture. It just pulsates with so much joy, so much life, so much encouragement. I really believe that God has reserved this passage of Scripture, not just so that we can read it and understand kind of what Christendom, what Christianity was like in the first century, but I really believe God allowed this first-rate historian, a man by the name of Luke, who was also a medical doctor, I believe God impressed upon his heart with, with such detail and precision to record the life of this church so that, that the church in subsequent ages, that at the church in every era and epoch and milieu of time, that we will have this opportunity to go back and to study the first church. By the way, this is the first church. It met in Jerusalem in homes, proliferated all throughout the city. They could not all meet in one place, number one, because it was illegal. And number two, there was just no building big enough to contain the thousands upon thousands of people. I have two estimations for you. Number one, B.H. Carroll, the first president of Southwestern Seminary, believed that at this time, early on, now Jesus has died and buried, risen from the dead, the Holy Spirit has come. And just so within a few weeks after his ascension, B.H. Carroll believes that there's many as 65,000 followers of Christ in the area of Jerusalem. G. Campbell Morgan, another scholar, theologian says, no, I believe there was many as 250,000 followers of Christ right here at the very inception, I mean the very genesis of this early church. And so you say, well, what was church like back then? What did they do? How did they conduct their times of worship? What did their liturgy look like? What are their songs like, what were like? What were the sermons like? And so you and I are going to get a picture of what church life was like in Acts chapter 2. This, this passage of Scripture is all about ecclesiology, the study of the doctrine of the church. So let me read it to you. Pretty excited about this. Verses 32 through 37. Okay, here we go. Now the multitude of those who believed, that's very important, the multitude, not the scattered few, but the numerous people who believed on Jesus 
All of these people were of one cardia and one suke, one heart and one soul. Neither did anybody say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in koine. It's where we get the, that word koinonia or fellowship. They had everything in common where they participate and shared together. Oh, watch this. And with great power. It doesn't just say with power, but it says, and it's where we get the English word mega. It says, and with megale dunamis, with massive, explosive, exuberant power, the apostles. Now, that's what church looked like. When you went to the first church of Jerusalem, you heard a message from Peter, or you heard a message from one of the disciples. And not only did they get up and preach, but there was this anointing, the power of God was upon them and they gave martyrion, they gave witness, back it up please if you will, just a minute. They gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Pause there for just a minute. That was the content, the message that they proclaimed week in and week out, really in this case, day in and day out, they proclaimed, the apostles did, that something so radical and earth shattering and history breaking had happened just a few days before Jesus Christ arose from the dead. Now, we hear that today and we go, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. What are we eating for lunch? You know, what, what's going on today? Come on guys, put ourselves back then. What that must have felt like, what that would have been like that the Jesus who was nailed to a cross came out of the grave and he was resurrected and alive and he had ascended to the Father and he had sent his Holy Spirit and these people were just enthused and they were just spiritually inebriated, right? They were drunk with the Spirit of God and God was moving in their life and through their life. And when they came together, oh my land, you're talking about anything but mundane and boring and yawning and kind of, you know, are we, we finished singing this song? What are, what are we doing next? No, man, there was this sense of unbelievable excitement and joy and man look what God did with Peter and John God delivered them from the Sanhedrin he did a great miracle and so look how awesome God is and so they all come together and the disciples are worshiping and the apostles are preaching and there's great grace on top of grace there's great grace now are you with me Great Hills Baptist Church it wasn't just grace it was what grace Megale Charis I love that word, charis or charis. If your name is Carissa, then your name is just pure grace. The favor of God, the blessing of God, of God, watch this, was upon them. Everybody say that last word again. All, it was upon all of them. Nor was there anybody among them in that church who lacked. How would you like to be a part of that church? For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, now watch this, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And the reason they did this was so that they distributed to everyone who had a need. And Yosef, who was also named Barnabas. Listen, Great Hills, whenever you see that guy's name, Barnabas, just go ahead and put a smile on your face. I, I, I know some of you come to church this morning, it's hard for you to smile. You're having a hard time. You've had a bad week, a, a, a bad month, and you're having a difficult summer, and just times are hard. And let me tell you, it, it was the same back then. 
People had hard times. They had family dissension. They had economic deprivation. They had turmoil. They had societal turmoil. They had political turmoil, familial turmoil, personal turmoil. And so when they came together as a church, the the pastor is preaching the resurrected Christ. The people are giving so that everybody's needs could be met. And then God dropped people like Barnabas in the church who went about, translated, it says, he was a son of encouragement. How would you like to be known as every time your name is mentioned in the Bible, you're a person of encouragement. You're blessing people. You're encouraging people. You're saying, hey, God is with you. It's going to be okay. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but keep on praying and keep on trusting God. You got this. You can do this. Hey, you're not alone. We are with you and, and we're here to hold you up. And that's the kind of man Barnabas was. He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus. And having land... Barnabas was not just a man of encouragement, he was a man of means, a man of wealth. Barnabas sold his land, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I hope as I read this text today, you get some of the, I mean, it really is just palpable. It just lifts off of the page some of the enthusiasm and the, and the joy. And again, let me reiterate this. I really believe that God did not go through so much effort to detail this event just so that we could read it for an academic exercise or we could say, well, that's really interesting as we study the salient features of Christianity in the first century. And let's just look at this from a very academic scholarly. No, I think God has reserved this passage of scripture so that we can look at it, study it, understand it, and then say, watch this, say, almighty God, in your church today, in the 21st century, may you do the great and awesome things you did then, do them in my church today. I believe that's why it's there. I believe that's why God pres- preserved this for us. So, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this church of excitement. There are four characteristics that I want you to look at it with me. But again, not just for exegesis or study per se, but really just ask the Holy Spirit as we, as we study it together. Just say, Holy Spirit, teach me. What is it that you want me to learn from this passage of Scripture? The first thing I want you to notice with me is this. I call them the fellowship of encouragement, Right? The fellowship of encouragement grows. This was an expanding, burgeoning, blossoming. I mean, this church, it was just blowing the doors off of Rome. I mean, they were so, I mean, it was like a mighty fire that had just swept across the city. It says in verse 32 that the multitude of those who believed, they were of one soul and one mind. Now, remember verse 31? It's important to remember the context. Verse 31 says, when they would gather together, they would pray. The place where they gathered would be shaken with the power of God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Watch this. And then they spoke the word of God with boldness. So you get this idea in your mind that they were gathered for worship and for encouragement. And then they were scattered to go out and gossip gossip the gospel, witness to the resurrection of Christ. Now watch this, they were gathered, then they were scattered, then they would gather back together again. You say, well, that sounds familiar. That's right, that's what we do. We gather and we encourage and we teach the word of God, we build one another up, and then we we go out into the community. And this church, as they did that, God just kept bringing other people and new people back into the church so that 
the, Luke has to describe it this way. He says, it was actually a multitude and they were all in unity. And that's what's so amazing to me. They were unified, the believers, it says, verse 32. Those who believed, okay, that tells us that it's a regenerate church membership. It wasn't a society, a fraternity, a club, a social entity. No, it comprised of those who believed. That's why at Great Hills Baptist Church, in order to become a member of our church, you have to be a believer. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't been baptized and you do as these precious two kids did today and you follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And so we get all of this from the book of Acts. Now watch this. And then it says, and they were all divided and fighting and mad and just skirmishes and schisms and fractions and divisions. No, it says they were all in unity. They had the same heart and they had the same mind. That word heart, that's where we, that's the word cardia. It's where we get the words cardiac or uh, cardiology. And then you got the word suke. I'm still in verse 32 if you're, if you're, if you're interested, if you're looking. Suke, it's P-S-U-C-H-E. That prefix sounds a lot like what? Like psych or psychology. So these people, watch this. Not just in their mind, okay? Not, not only did they agree in doctrine and theology, now I know they had some, they, everybody couldn't agree on every single, only person you ever agree with totally is Jesus, I get that. But they were laying the tertiary, the peripheral things aside, and they were bound together in the things that mattered. And Jesus and his resurrection, ooh, watch this, not just in the mind, but in their very heart, in their essence, in their souls, in their being, so that when they came together, they didn't have the energy to fight and to fuss with one another because they had been witnessing and they had been sharing Christ. And when they came together, man, they needed each other. They needed words of affirmation. They needed doctrinal teaching and, and they needed to sing praise to God. Why? To get their spiritual tanks filled so they could go out and do it again the next week. So many common similarities between the church then and hopefully for our church here today. I love to, I'm a student of the church. I love reading not only history, but enjoy studying modern day churches. There's a church in Houston that I'm still fascinated with. John Morgan's been the pastor of this church forever. October the 1st, 1966, he planted the church with 16 people in the Sagemont area there in Houston today, 53 years later, I think he's pastor emeritus now, but he served that church for 50 plus years as the senior pastor. And they went from 16 people to over 5,000 people. But here's the thing about this church, and I could have chosen a lot of churches for illustrative points, but here's the thing that just, and I, I'm just blown away by this statement. And this is on their website. There was not a question in anybody's mind when God began to plant this church that God was up to something extraordinary. Hold on. The unity and the commitment of the church family to be in one accord allowed families to experience a community to see, to love, and to watch grace in action. Their mission statement is that we want to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Isn't that sweet? Living proof of a loving God to a watching world. 
Just recently, just in 2012, they moved into their $30 million new building, education building and worship center, and they paid cash for all of it because they don't borrow any money. They pay cash for everything. So when there's a need, kind of like Acts 2, the people just come and they, they bring their offerings and their needs. And then when they collect enough money, they go and buy. And here's what they've done. They've saved millions and millions of dollars on interest. So here's what they do. You go to Sagemont Baptist Church and you get involved, get plugged in. I mean, they're, they're going to take care of you. They're going to meet your needs. You need a new car? They'll, they'll pitch in. They'll get you. They'll get you a new car. Some of y'all are going, well, excuse me, where's that church? I need a... Man, I need to make my way down there. How, do, how does that? But that's how they are known. They're just known as that kind of church that is just very unified, very together. And man, if there's a need, they're going to pull their resources together and, and, and meet the need. All right, so unity. That, that's so important. The fellowship of encouragement. First of all, as you're looking with me here, they are a church that is unified together and you just can't put them down. They are growing. They're expanding and again, that key feature there of a church, you look at a church today, any church today, whether it's small, medium, or large, if that church is making any gains in the community, if they are penetrating the darkness, poking holes in the darkness, watch this, and they're reaching people with the gospel, rest assured that that church has unity, that they are together, that they have the same heart and the same mind, and the antithesis of that is equally true. If they are divided, and they're gossiping, and they're fighting, and they're angry, and they're not together, then forget it. Don't, who would want to be a part of that church? But who wants to be a part of a church that is exciting, that is growing, that is reaching people, that is preaching the gospel? Woohoo! come on. That's this church. Number two, the fellowship of encouragement is a generous church. And verse 32 reveals their generosity, doesn't it? Neither did anybody say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in koinonia, had all things in common. It's very similar to Acts chapter 2. Let me read it to you in verses 44 and 45. And by the way, no other church in the Bible does it say that the people pulled their resources together, people sold land and property to meet the needs. I believe it was a spontaneous thing. I think it was not a prescription of this is how church is supposed to be, but it was just a description of what something God did. There was a need. Now, all who believed, 244, were together. They had all things in common, sold their possessions and their goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. That sounds very familiar to Acts 4, Acts chapter 2. I love this whole concept, though, of generous living, generous giving. If you have a need, then the body of Christ they rally around you, and if it's a financial need, they see if they can help you financially. Most of the time, it's more of a, an emotional need or a, or a spiritual need, and the church just rallies around you and prays with you and encourages you and, and builds, you, builds you up. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this about giving, and boy, it was personified in this church. What does it say? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of compulsion, like, you better give your money. You better come bring your money. We, we've all been under that kind of uh, teaching and that kind of, that kind of browbeating and what's your problem? Give your money, you heathen. But, when, but when, it's, when it's cheerful or when it's Holy Spirit led and, and, and God has blessed you and you're a blessing to others, the, the, the tithe Man, I don't, I'm way beyond the tithe, amen? You know what I'm saying? God blessed me way beyond the Old Testament. So Ashley and I, we're thrilled to be able to give a tithe, at least a tithe, and then some. 
You say, well, bless your little heart, aren't you? Aren't you just special up there, aren't you? Let's say, God is blessed. And how can we not just be cheerful and spontaneous and when there's a need so that we, we just give unto it? Pathway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. Y'all read about them? Just happened a few weeks ago. Well, it was around Easter. Yes, it was Easter time. So it was April, more than a few weeks ago. It's a few months ago. Pathway Church in Wichita Falls. They budgeted, and that's a large church, and they budgeted $22,000 just for uh, media promotion of their Easter services. Now, that's a chunk of change, wouldn't you say? 22. We spent 20 grand on vacation Bible school, and let me tell you something, I'd do it all again in a minute. You say, man, that's a lot of money, $20,000. Hey, we, we saw two young people get baptized today in our church. Man, what in the world? That's worth, yes. So anyhow, they had 22 grand and the pastor said, we're not gonna do that this year. And they're like, what are you talking about, preacher? What are you talking about? We've allocated the money. We gotta, we gotta get on the radio. We gotta get on TV. We gotta get in the media. We gotta boost that Facebook, man. We gotta get on Instagram and we gotta, we gotta get after it. Come on now. He said, no, here's what I think we ought to do with the money. There's a group called RIP Medical Debt. Rest in peace, medical debt. And what they do is they take money and pennies on the dollar, they pay off medical debt. And so, and I've read story after story this week preparing this sermon about churches that are giving money to RIP, your medical debt, and here's what they did. They alleviated $2.2 million worth of medical debt within the community of Wichita Falls. Can you imagine? You're one of those people, you owed $50,000 on your medical bill and you open it up and it says paid in full. Thanks to Pathway Church in Wichita. So much for media and promotion. My land, those people, you know, they're gonna tell everybody that they know and I thought, man, that's sweet. That's generous, that's, watch this, that was spontaneous. The pastor, they had already budgeted that amount, but they said, why don't, we, why don't we do something like this, something different, some of out of the ordinary. We're gonna color outside the line a little bit. Man, it's exciting when you see God doing those kind of things. This church we're reading about today, this church at Jerusalem, they had people with open hands, not tight fists. They were blessed so that they would be a blessing. Yesterday, a bunch of us showed up in the atrium, and um, man, we had a good time. We, a lot of you were here. Thank you for coming. By the way, it was exciting. Many of you were writing handwritten letters to send to those who visited us in Vacation Bible School. Many of you went to bus stops all throughout the city and you were giving cold water. And Daniel told me this morning, one team gave out 21 bottles of water and everybody had a good experience. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. It's 180 degrees out here. Thank you. I appreciate this bottle of water. Ashley and I, we, I, I just spontaneous. I didn't know I was going to do this until maybe a couple of days ago. And, and I just love my wife. I'm so blessed. She just, she, just, she just smiles. She goes, okay, okay. That's what you think we ought to do. Let's go. And so we just went to the businesses here in the city. Uh, I mean, right here, if you go across to HEB, there's like 2,000 businesses within a stone's throw of HEB. And so we would just go in and say, can I speak with the manager? And it's all of a sudden they go, whoa, whoa, wait, you want talk to the manager. Automatically something's what? Something's wrong because I'm, I'm there to complain or whatever. And the manager comes in and says, can I, can I help you? And I'm just like, hey, 
chill out. This is my wife, Ashley, I'm Danny. I pastor that church right across the street. We are here because we love our community. I just wanna know, is there anything I can pray for you about? Is there anything we can do for you? And, and you just watch them just go, oh, good, thank you, thank you. Wow, thank, oh yeah, sure. Uh, what, what did you say, pray for us? Yeah, every person, you, my wife is my witness. We had good experiences. One, one young man walked up to him and he was by himself in the business, had a big cross on his, on his wrist. And I just happened to be carrying my uh, five crosses track that I wrote. And so I was able to give it to him and walk him through uh, the gospel. And we went, went just place after place and good experience after good experience. And man, I think that's when we're at our best church is when we take this good news of the gospel and we're so excited about what God has done for us what God is doing through us, and we just broadcast that and just brag, brag, brag on the Lord. Let me, let me talk about money for just a minute. That's what I thought. I thought it'd get real quiet. <laughs> there is this rumor floating around Great Hills Baptist Church, and I gotta, I gotta just address the rumor, okay? So y'all just stay with me. If you're a guest, you just say, well, I, I hadn't heard this rumor. I don't know what's going on. Here's the rumor. Great Hills Baptist Church paid off all their debt. They have no needs whatsoever financially. And um, no, I know it's, it really is circulating because you are contacting me. Some of you are writing me and saying, Pastor, I, people are saying we're, we're great. So he, let me, let me help, help you with this. We used to owe $78,000 a week for our budget. Now that's a, that's a lot of money. We paid off our debt, so we don't owe $78,000 a week for our budget. We have about a $68,000 a week for our budget. We're averaging about $40,000 every week. So that's about a $30,000 deficit every week. And so we're going we're to be kind of going the same route we've always gone. At the end of the year, we're going to be in a desperate place. He said, well, that's not fun. That's not exciting, but that's just reality. So the need is there. We still need to turn these lights on. We still need to have vacation Bible school. We still need to pay our great staff that God has blessed us with here. And so let me just kind of help put that to rest and just be, be generous. Mm, let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. Mm, let me share something with you. This is a good word. No, 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 no. <laughs> My mind, I need. What if we had a $15 million surplus in the bank today you still should give your tithes and your offerings. Why? Because that's obeying God. God says, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And so we're gonna to continue to give and give sacrificially because that's just the way of a Christian. Not in the Old Testament, 10%. I'm talking about in the New Testament kind of giving. So let me, let me just encourage you in that. I hope we just kind of take a moment of pastoral privilege and just share with you. Yes, we're far, far better off than we were, but let's just keep on being faithful in our tithes and our offering. And here's the thing. As you do that, God is amazing. He takes what you give. And please don't ask me to explain this. I, I do not understand God's economy, God's mathematics. It, it, just, it, it just doesn't make sense. You take what little and just be obedient to what God asks you. And then just watch, watch what God does. He does miracles in your finances, in your family. He prevents things from happening to you that would have normally happened to you. He blesses you. You get bonuses. You get blessings. And you're like, where did that come from? And God just, he just does that kind of thing. He blesses those. You say, now, hold on a minute. Tell me where that is in the Bible. Okay, thank you for asking. Luke 6:38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed together, shaken together. Jesus said, and running over 
will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You say, that's not in the Bible. You made that up. You put that up there. No, that is Jesus speaking. In fact, Jesus had a lot to say about money and he had a lot to say about hell, had a lot to say about spiritual beings and warfare. And so I'm just, I'm just here to encourage you. The fellowship of encouragement. We, we're unified, we grow, and we are generous. The third thing I want to share with you. The fellowship of encouragement has great power, not just little power, but great power and great grace. It's interesting to me that Luke uses this adjective to describe the power and the grace. He, he doesn't say it's just small or minuscule, but he prefaces it with this word. He said it was, the early church had mega power and they had mega grace. So what, is that, what does that look like for a church, for their pastors, for their preachers to have, it says verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Come on now, can you imagine? What, 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 what in the world would it be like to hear the Apostle Peter preach on the resurrection of Jesus? Man, and they would come in and they would gather in these homes and I don't know how they did it. I don't know if the disciples, they just kind of spread out everywhere and different pastors and apostles preaching different venues. I don't know how they did it. I just know it was an illegal religion and they had to be careful. A lot like places in the world like China today. If, you, if you're not part of the sanctioned, uh, recognized church, then you go underground, you have the house church, and this is a massive movement of God. Did y'all know today there are more Christians in China, I heard, than those who are diehard practicing communism? That's what I heard, that there are more followers of Jesus in China. And so, to great power, they're testifying to the resurrection of the Lord. I'm, I am, um, and I'm just, just thinking, Lord, what, a, what an example for me. God, as, as a pastor, a preacher, I'm no apostle. These guys, these amazing men of God, but I preach and I teach the Word of God. And every Sunday that I do, what a sacred trust and treasure that has been given to me. And I hope Oh, I think one of the saddest indictments on my life and on my ministry, and it's happened one time here at Great Hills, and it still hurts me. And somebody says, man, you're a terrible preacher. You're just not, you're just, you don't have no power. You have no anointing or whatever. I'm like, oh, that hurts me. And I just, I, oh, God, I'd rather just die now if I'm going to make you bored and mundane and put you to sleep. Here's another thing that drives me. I mean, it just, and I told somebody that, I told a bunch of people this yesterday out in the community. I said, there's a statement, and I want to make this statement. And, um, and, and, and it just, it haunt, I don't like the word haunt, but it bothers me. If Great Hills Baptist Church were to close her doors today, would our community even miss us? Man, that drives me. That, that's, that just thrust me to be more active in 78759. If Great Hills Baptist Church closed her doors, then would the community, would they even know that we were gone? Man, I hope, 
I hope that the church, I hope the whole community would rise up and say, man, we miss them. Why? Because they were loving on our community. They were doing things for our community. They were hosting things in our community. They were ministering to us. Sometimes they'd even knock on our doors and pray over us and give us water and, and just on and on. Yes, yes, Lord. Great power. Number two, they had great grace. Now, what does that mean? The early church had great grace, charis. If y'all allow me, I'm going to translate it this way. I'm going to interpret it this way. They had great favor. They had the favor of God and the favor of the community. I mean, of the believers and, and even the lost community, they were hearing about the miracles and the unity and the great things that God was doing. And so they were coming in in droves. Great grace. John 17, 21, Jesus prayed. Listen to this great prayer. He prayed, Father, I pray that they may be one as you are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. Watch this, church. That the world may believe that God the Father sent God the Son. Did y'all catch that? The key evangelistic tool for the church in any era is the unity of the church. If we're unified and we love each other and we're encouraging each other and we're building each other up, a person's going to come in and go, hello, can I get, can I get in on some of that? Man, I'm, my life's a mess and I need encouragement and I need somebody to come alongside of me and help me. And you're like, yes, come on in. And, the, and it's so attractive. It's so beautiful. And it's, and it's exactly what God intends for Every church in the world to be unified. I mean, to be marching under the banner of King Jesus, loving one another, working things out with one another, encouraging one another so that, oh goodness, so that the world will know that God has sent his son. Man, that is a recipe. That is a great recipe for reaching people. I was in Kentucky last week. Thank y'all. Many of you have asked me how, how my trip was in Kentucky and it was great. I, I was in four cities and, and ministering and training pastors in different parts of the state, the bluegrass state, and I would go and, and teach. And it was, um, was kind of like a another life that I lived in as a seminary professor. I would go and all these pastors would come together and I would teach them for like five hours We'd only give them like a five-minute break here, a five-minute break there, and 30 minutes for lunch, and I'd hop right back up and just, just pour, pour into them. Somebody said, did you learn anything from these pastors? I said, absolutely. I think the teacher always learns more than the student through the preparation and through just being sensitive to what's going on. And here's, here's what I learned from these great pastors in Kentucky. One, they were so appreciative. They were so humble. And... You know, they, they had no problem coming up to me and saying, hey, we really thank you. Thank you for coming, spending time with us, pouring into us, discipling us. We, we really need it. We had young pastors. We had older pastors. We had pastors been there just two weeks. One pastor been there 20 plus years. And so here's the second thing I learned, though. A lot of those guys are struggling. Most of them come from very small, struggling churches and their families are in stress, the finances are in stress, the, the church is in stress, and I kid y'all not, you can't make this stuff up. One pastor with tears, literally tears about to come down his cheek, he sat down with me at lunch, and I sat there with him, and um, he said, yeah, pastor, my worship pastor cursed me out in front of the choir on Sunday. I said, 
oh my word, are you, I was, first of all, I was just shocked. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah. And he said, it just, I mean, I was thinking, how in the world do you go preach after Brother Terry cusses me out, you know, and, and before I come out to, I'm like, I just, my heart went out to him and I, that wasn't an isolated thing. I mean, there was just story after story of, of heartache and just, and just difficulty. And I was just thinking, oh, how the kingdom, if, if we could get together and, and love each other and, and, and help one another and, and present a powerful witness to the community, that's exactly, I think, what God desires, not only for them, but for us as well. And by the way, if you know a pastor, just tell him you love him, you appreciate him. 1,500 of them a month are bailing out. They're going, forget this. I'll go sell cars. I'll go do something else. This is driving me up the wall. And by the way, if you just, just encourage those brothers. That's what I did. About 150 of them for all five hours a day, Monday through Thursday, I just loved them. I said, come on, guys. One of my main things is don't quit. Hang in there. God loves you. I know some mean people don't like you, but hang around those that do love you. Keep pressing on. Keep preaching the word of God. We need you, brother. We need you. I know many of them are watching us. I had no idea. So many pastors across America watch Great Hills Baptist Church. They put us up online and they, they follow me and they were, they were telling me about, I'm listening to you, I listen to your ministry, I listen to your podcast, I listen to your sermon. Hey, if you're listening, we got a bunch of people here today saying, Pastor, we love you, don't quit, God bless you, in Jesus' name. Don't quit. Hang in there. It's gonna get better. Trust me, it gets better. In Alabama, we say it just gets gooder and gooder. But anyhow, here, number four, the fellowship of encouragement. Now, you're going to say, you're going to criticize me. I get that. You said, Brother Dan, that is not very creative. You already had point two of generosity. Here's point four. <laughs> they were more generous. Here's, here's a word the Lord gave me. There was ferocity in their generosity. Could... Could we say that about you? You say, okay, go to point five, please. Is there a point five? I don't you know. But is there ferocity in your generosity? Well, it was with Barnabas. It was with this early church. And I'll close this up here in verse 34. It says, nobody among them lacked. They sold their possessions, lands, houses, sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, distributed to everybody who had need. You say, why do they have so many needs? Let me, let me tell you two things I think will help you. It helped me when I studied this. The first reason they had so many people and so many needs was people had come to Pentecost, right? They had come from all over the, the known world to come to the temple, to Jerusalem. And lo and behold, they're hearing these apostles preach about a resurrected Messiah. And many people believed that they said, we want to be a part of this. We're not going back home. So they just stayed. Kind of like people from California. They come to Texas and say, we're just staying. You know, this is... Economy is great. This is a great place. And so they came, and so that created a vast need among the church. Here's the second one. So many were giving their life to Christ, and they were suffering great persecution. They would lose their jobs. Uh, they would lose their way of making money. And so they had all these needs, and so they would pull their resources together. And I read about Prestonwood Baptist Church, you know, a little mission work up in Dallas that, they had one of their Sunday school classes and literally a person came to church and said, my car broke down and, and the Sunday school class bought them a car. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And then would, the church of the Woodlands, just south of us in Houston, they came to church one day and the 
And the pastor said, there's so many homeless in our community and there's so many hurting people and a lot of homeless people need shoes. If you feel so in lead, why don't everybody just take your shoes off and, and go home in your socks? 4,600 pairs of shoes were left at the church. Pretty cool, everybody's just going home in their socks. Ooh, that's pretty cool, you know, just going home in my sock. And they took them out and then they gave them to the homeless. See, when the Holy Spirit does stuff like that, y'all, nobody gets upset. It's just a spontaneous movement of God. It's, it's generosity personified. I love it. They had a corporate example with the church. You saw that in A. But the personal example is the one I want you to look at, and that's, that's Yosef. That's Barnabas. Whenever you see this man, he is always giving. He's either giving encouragement. For example, we'll preach on this in a few, well, maybe a few months before we get to Acts 11. But anyhow, Acts chapter 11 23 and 24 says, and when he, the context is clearly Barnabas, when he came and saw the grace of God, can, can we back up just, just a second? I want to show him something right there. It's really cool. What does the grace of God look like? What if a guest came to Great Hills Baptist Church and they said, I saw the grace of God? Well, in this case, this was the church at Antioch where you had different races worship it together, people of different color. Jews and Gentiles and, and all kinds of nationalities had gathered, amalgamated there in Antioch. And Barnabas came and saw that the walls had been broken down, and he called that the grace of God. Isn't that cool? You know, we got a lot of that going on at Great Hills. I, I love when we have like a children's choir, we come up and sing. It looks like heaven. We got kids from all over the world up here at Great Hills Baptist Church. And y'all know what else we got at Great Hills? We got some old people. I am one. We, we, we have old people and we have young people. In fact, we're, we're starting to hear stories from young millennials and Gen Xers who are joining Great Hills Baptist Church because we got some gray-headed people. Yes, that's a good thing. And they're just like, yeah, my church, we just, a bunch of people look just like me and same situation. And man, I think I can learn from some of these older, wiser people. Hey, can I just say something again? I see some of you. Can I, can, I just, can I just tell you something? God bless you. Two things. One, thanks for hanging in there. And number two, keep going for Jesus because people are watching you. Your grandkids are watching you. The people, new people coming to the city. Literally, they, they're attracted to our church because it's a multi-generational church. Keep being generous. Keep being kind and God, God bless you. Thank you. That, just wanted to share that with you. Okay. There's a lot going on in here, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my notes. I'm going to close my Bible. And I'm going to come talk to you one more time. Then we're going to have our invitation. I almost did something really radical, really different. And I might do it uh, another time. Okay? So you just never know what, what, what might radical and different. Not, not that radical and different, but just, just different. Um, two, couple things. One, ha, have you met the Lord? Have you personally come to faith in Jesus Christ so that great grace and God's favor and anointing and forgiveness has been showered upon you? And you would say, well, you can answer me one of two ways, either yes or no. I shared the gospel yesterday with a young man right out here in the atrium. Everybody had left.
and uh, he's, uh, he's a young man, 10th grade, and I got to share the, the complete gospel with him, and he said, no, thank you, I'm, I'm not ready, and so, okay, I, I can't convict anybody, I can't convert anybody, help me now, help me now, but I can share with everybody. Thank you, Lord. I can't convict anybody, I can't convert anybody, but I can share with everybody. God gave me so many opportunities on the airplanes. As I'm flying to Kentucky, listen, you can't get from here to Kentucky without going through some, somebody, through Dallas or somewhere. And God puts me on the airplane, I'm praying, I'm praying, God, put the person right beside me that, I want, that, I, that you need me to talk to. And one of two things happens if they're awake, it's hard to witness to somebody when they're asleep or when they got earbuds in, you know. This one guy just pulled his earbuds out. I said, listen to me. I'm talking to you. I'm just kidding. I, did, I wouldn't dare do that. And so I was just praying, Lord, give me opportunities. And it's amazing. The opportunities God gave. God, I, let me share with this naval officer guy. He had been trained, highly trained, brilliant navigator. You know what his job is? He flies all over the world and they blow up submarines, enemy submarines. They find them, and he goes, it's amazing, the technology we have. So I had to ask him the question. I said, have you ever done that? He said, no, and I hope I never do it. But interesting people, sharing the gospel with him, sharing the gospel with her, and just saying, listen, God is so good. Have you received the gospel? If you have, hallelujah, man, we rejoice with you. Be a part of this church and come on, get plugged in. And y'all had a great new members class this morning. I went in there and looked, the place was full, Layton. Where is Layton? There you are. In the Auburn. Is that an Auburn shirt? War Eagle. So, um, I mean, it was just full of new members, people coming. You said, this is July. Yeah, it's July. And praise God for those people that are coming. We, we would love for you to come. But here's the main thing. If you come, come with unity, come with generosity, and come with saying, we, we want to help this church poke holes in the darkness in this community and around the world. So let me, let me pray with you. Thank you. You've listened so well, and it's 12 o'clock, maybe a little after, but let me pray with you. We'll have our invitation, and man, let me just, let me just encourage you as I pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, thank you for everybody here today. Thank you for working in our midst. Thank you for the Word of God. Lord, thank you that we can read it, study it. Lord, please apply it to us today. Help us to be full of grace and power, full of generosity, full of unity and full of growth. Help us to emulate, Lord, follow the example, this beautiful template, this beautiful example of a church, the way church ought to be. Lord, please help us be patient with one another. Help us to be forgiving. Thank you so much, God, for our senior saints. Bless them, Jesus. Thank you for their faithfulness, God. Thank you, Lord, for their endurance, their perseverance. And we look to them, Lord. We, we need their Example. We need a, a clear example of what it looks like to finish well, to march on into heaven. Lord, be with our young people. Be with our, our, our millennial guys, our Generation X guys. Be with our, our students. Lord, bless them, God. Give them courage. Give them power, Lord, as they, as they live their lives. Lord, I'm praying that you just shower heaven's blessings upon them. And they would be full of the Holy Spirit and they would accomplish great things, Lord, for you. Pray for our church, Lord. Pray for our finances. Pray for our unity. Pray for our missions. Pray that we would be that church, God, right here, right now, that you want us to be. Bless our altar call, Lord. I pray for people here today. God, there'd be a liberty, a freedom to say, I want to receive Christ, or I want to be baptized, or I want to join arm, link arms with you. How do I do that? You come. 
And one of our pastors, one of our deacons, one of our, our men or one of our women will be here waiting on you. We will embrace you. We will encourage you. We will pray for you. So, Father, we give this invitation to you. Bless us, oh God. Use us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me as we have our invitation? This is a time for you to come. We invite you to come. The pastor's going to be here. Corey, y'all come. Lead us in a song. God bless you as you come.